Have you been interested in getting into Euronymphing or maybe improving your current skills uh, Euronymphing? Would you like to find out how to rig a leader in the exact leader that took home the gold at the World Championship this year? You're in luck because we have Pete Erickson back on the show to break down the rig and to shed light on a new Euronymphing clinic happening this year. This is the Wet Fly Swing podcast where we show you the best places to travel to for fly fishing how to find the best resources and tools to prepare for this big adventure, and how you can give back to the fish species we love. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, I'm Dave, host of the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. I've been fly fishing most of my life. I grew up around a fly shop, and I have created one of the largest fly fishing podcasts in this country. I've also interviewed more of the greatest fly fishing anglers than just about anyone in the world. Today, Pete is going to share the three main types of Euronymphing leaders and the one he used to take home the gold medal this year. You'll find out when you might need a micro leader and some tips on casting it. Plus, we just launched a huge giveaway to win a trip to the Euro Clinic with Pete on the Wood River. You can head over right now to wetflyswing.com slash giveaway to enter for a chance to win that and all the gear, the huge gear package. And if you want to jump into the Euro Clinic, that's wetflyswing.com slash Euro Clinic right now, and you can learn more and save a spot. These uh, links will also be in the show notes. This is a biggie with Pete today, so let's jump in and get started right now. How you doing, Pete? Hey, good, Dave. Good to be on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for putting some time together today to do this. We've been We've got a lot going on right now because... As we speak, we're launching, we just launched the uh, the Euro Clinic giveaway and all the gear giveaway that's going on. So people, we'll have a link in the show notes so people can enter that right now. Um, but you're off a couple of things. Last year, you won uh, the gold. We're going to talk about that with Team USA. We're going to talk about a little bit on some leaders. Uh, we have this webinar going. So I think we have uh, some good stuff going for people here today, but maybe get, just give us an update on, uh, let's go right to the event that you had the team USA, maybe talk about that. What, what, can you describe that in a nutshell? What went on there? Uh, yeah, we had the masters world championships, uh, masters and actually, uh, one of the, I think it was the second ladies world world fly fishing championship. They were kind of together at the same site. So it was really cool. Um, and Kamloops, British Columbia is a place that I fished as a kid a lot. So it was really great to get to go back up there. That was in, uh, September, September like 20th around there we were up there for a few weeks and uh our team overall just in in a nutshell our team overall uh we missed winning the team gold by uh basically about a centimeter of a fish if any if any fish had been rounded up in a couple different deals on the final day we would have got there so we lost by one point to Spain which is a really powerful awesome team yeah um but on the on the good note Good news note, I was able to win the individual world championship in points. So, um, and that was the uh, first time I've ever done that. So it was kind of cool. And it was a little surreal. I've been doing these competitions for a long time and, you know, been really close to, you know, in podium position the night before the yeah. final session a few times. And you, you know how that works. You just like, yeah, have a tough section or just other guys move ahead of you or what, whatever it is. So, and you just don't make it. But finally, everything kind of came together. It was really great. Wow. So, so you described that. I mean, how did that feel? You're up on the podium and all that. Was it uh, so surreal? It's just, just, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're not really ready for the, you're, when you get to hear the national anthem and all that stuff, it's kind of cool. There's a whole bunch of people that are, you know, clapping and stuff. It was, it was, it was a cool feeling uh, when it, 
uh, when I was out on the river on the final section, it was a Clearwater River up there. Um, and uh, it was a tough river, like pretty much, you know, there were salmon in the river. So the uh, trout fishing was really tough. And uh, most of the sections weren't giving up a single trout all day mm. long, you know. So, wow. um, and after uh, I've, I found I found some fish behind a few rocks and uh, I got one right away, you know, within 10 minutes. So I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is great. And then I got a second one and then uh, I got actually ended up getting six in, in the first hour. And, uh, I kind of knew at that point, like, Hmm, I've got a pretty good chance of holding my position. Cause I was, I was number one going into that day. And so, yeah, it was like, a, it was a weird feeling like, Oh wow, this is something I've been working towards for a long time. And it finally happened in the, in the master's division. So it was a pretty, it was pretty awesome. Amazing. Amazing. That's it. And then, and so you had that. So what else has been going on? Maybe since, uh, in, I can't remember the last time we had you on the podcast, but it's been a little bit, you know, what's been new though. I guess it's, I guess that was it. And now, I mean, really we had our Euro school. Maybe, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. We had that last year on the Henry's. Floor. Yeah, you, yeah. You and I, yep. That, that, and I've been working with echo on some new rod designs. And so we're working on those right now. And I'm, of course I'm a, uh, ninth grade English teacher. So that's always busy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's talk about that. Um, the school, it was, it was fun. We had great weather and, and uh, a lot of good fishing. It was a great trip going out there. I mean, for me, it was my first time fishing, you know, the Henry's fork and, uh, and that was just a great trip. I think, you know, what we heard from people was, you know, that they wanted, uh, even more of Pete, right. They wanted more of you the, because we kind of, it was more, it was like a mix, you know, it was a school. We had a little bit of guided and then we had some school, but I think people definitely wanted more. So this year, what we're thinking about doing, what we are doing right now, we're giving this away as we speak, is more of a clinic. So instead of, uh, you know, like a bunch of guides out there on a guided trip, they're going to have you for a full day. Well, actually, it's going to be two days. So we want to talk about that maybe a little bit on the clinic and what people can expect there because somebody's going to win that with gear and things like that. So let's start there. Do you want to kind of talk about what you feel like the, makes a successful clinic? Yeah, obviously being able to work one-on-one with people is, is great because everybody's got, you know, different questions and different things that they want to work on. Um, the area that we're going to be doing is still Idaho, which, you know, Idaho offers a lot of fantastic uh, Euronymphing rivers. Um, this would be the Wood River in uh, Sun Valley, and that's another place that, uh, that I guide. So, um, yeah, I think that the access is great, you know, as far as waiting. It's pretty easy waiting around there. And uh, a lot of the, the water type is perfect for um, any level of European nymphing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to, I think in the, in the big difference, one of the big differences, not only are they going to get more peat time on this, but we're not going to be an all-inclusive. I think on the school, typically the schools, we had, you know, everything, food, everything covered, which, you know, last year you, you even did the food, which was amazing, but it was a lot of work, you know, so... Um, this year it's going to yeah, be basically there's just not yeah. time for that. <laughs> no, there wasn't, there wasn't time for that. So, so this year it's going to be basically just get in on the clinic. You pay for your spot for the clinic and you get two days of basically you, and we're probably going to have some other uh, folks there that are going to be helping as well. Um, but what does that look like? Let's talk day one. If somebody was going to be coming into this clinic on the wood, what can they expect for that first day? And, and I think it's probably going to be somewhere probably in the range of 10 people or less that are going to be doing this. Right. We'll probably, uh, you know, go over some of the, uh, the history of, of, of the Euro nymphing and, and what my experience is on it. And then we'll, 
we'll talk about gear and and uh, I think you and I are going to talk about leaders even a little mm-hmm. bit right now. Yeah, uh, just for guys that want to kind of get ahead of the game that want to do this. Um, but yeah, yeah, equipment is always a big thing, and so we'll probably get into that and then kind of get out and kind of assess where guys are early on in that first day and, uh, you know, do some general overview, um, and then get into it, you know, probably after lunch. Yeah. Okay. Get into a lot of demos for me and, and just, uh, kind of on river experience. Perfect. Yeah. That sounds awesome. So the first kind of part of the day will be, and, and we'll probably be on the water doing kind of that first session. And then kind of after lunch, we'll actually go even deeper into what you talked about. Is that kind of how it'll work? Yeah, just so we can get everyone's like input on what they want individually. Perfect, individually. Yeah, and then and then for day two, um, I mean, do you think day two will be more of the same of that, where we'll go kind of uh, maybe pick out some specific topics people want to go into, or how would a day two of the clinic look? Yeah, so uh, basically, what we would do is have everyone okay for tomorrow. What would you specifically like to work on? We can uh, ask uh, guys to go re-rig their stuff and so that they're ready to go or uh, go to different sections and really apply it. Um, sometimes just getting a little bit of time, like a, an evening to process what you really want and what you, know, you want to work on is good because then the next day you can kind of do your thing. And then obviously the second part of the second day, we can kind of cut people loose to go kind of you know do some uh, discovery learning on their own and, and, go, and then revisit them and say, well, you know, what... What have you, uh, what have you found and what do you need help with? And so that, I mean, the, the benefit is, is truly just being able to walk around to each person and spend time with them. And, uh, and you know, a lot of times it's somebody that's like, Hey, the main thing I want out of this is, uh, my, my casting, uh, Euro leaders is just not accurate, you know? And if you get that one thing taken care of in in a two day deal or get put on the right path, um, that can be really helpful. Or it could be a, a approach to different waters or, you know, my casting seems okay, but um, I'm not really sure about how to present my flies at depth, you know, the, things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to have someone uh, watch you do the, your cast or your approach or your presentation. And that's really what, why clinics are, are pretty great. And let's face it, it's beautiful Idaho yeah. fishing on the, on the Wood River. <laughs> right. Yeah. In a great place, <laughs> Sun Valley. Yeah, in Sun Valley, exactly. So that's the other cool thing is that I think it's going to make it uh, better and easier all around is that we will be able to focus more time with people that are attending it. And, and I will say people can go out right now to wetflyswing.com slash Euroclinic if they want to sign up and actually get a spot. We will also have a link in the show notes. Um, but like we said, we're, we're doing a giveaway. The big giveaway is going on this week for one winner. So that person will be there as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we have the wood, so we have a couple of days and there'll probably be, you know, for dinner, I'm not sure people are going to get their own place to stay, figure out food, but we probably, there'll be some folks that get together for a, a beverage maybe in the evening or something like that. But, but I think it's really going to be on the water, you know, having you, like you said, kind of review how people are doing, what do they want to accomplish? What are their goals? Um, sort of thing. And, and how would this be versus a guide trip, right? You've got a guide trip and then you have this, what do you see as the benefits of the clinic over say a guide trip? Um, I, you know, a guide trip is going to be focused on catching fish and this one, uh, catching fish will be great, obviously, but, um, uh, this will be a little more instructional, you know, where you can kind of say, Hey, let's, let's pull back from this hole right here and let's work on your, your cast for, for a second or, um, you know, instructional, educational, a lot of times, once you have that perspective, it kind of takes some of your pressure off you. Now, that being said, I mean, this is an awesome 
Western River. And if you, you know, if you see some fish uh, rising over in the corner, <laughs> yeah, you're more than more than welcome to put a dry fly on and have that great experience because you're there. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, it's got an instructional angle to it. Um, I, you know, through the years I've, I've had, uh, days where someone said, um, can I hire you as a, uh, just for instruction? And oh, a lot of times I feel like the pressure is taken off of, of them. You know, they're like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't have to necessarily catch this many fish or whatever oh, it is. Right. Um, I can just focus on learning and just, you know, maybe there are some fish out there that I can see working. But I don't care about that right now. I want to talk about my leader right now. Let's step back from those fish and let's take a look at my leader. And why is why does it feel like I, you know, it's hinging or what, what have I done wrong with this? You know, and then we could we could actually take the time to do that because, you know, I'm I'm a process person and I I really enjoy the process of of improving and, and learning things. And you know, sometimes the the catching a fish is more of a fixed mindset, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I know. No, this is great. I think this is going to be awesome. And, and like we said, it's going to be two days on the wood river, which is a famous river. Um, I've been hearing about that one from, for a long time. And then, uh, and then it'll be cool with a group of people. Everybody obviously is going to be learning from each other as well out there. And, uh, and, and so we'll be getting into that more as we go. And you mentioned leaders, I guess, two things I want to mention the webinar so we actually have a webinar series that we, we've been working on. So everybody that gets the clinic actually gets uh, free access to this, uh, this course. So the webinar is going to become a Euronymphing course, which people will have access to. So that's another bonus of the clinic. So they will be, be able to kind of watch the, uh, the videos and things. But let's talk leaders because part of that, you mentioned it, leaders is, is a big thing. We've, we've got this live webinar that we did on leaders. So if you had to say, where do you start with leaders? If somebody's asking you, what, what are the few leaders you need to be thinking about? What do you tell them? Well, a lot of times they will ask about lines, which mm. we can cover in a very short amount of time um, because a lot of the European nymphing lines from the manufacturers are, are similar. That'll be an easy one to kind of say, hey, this is the construction of them. This is what they do. Leaders gets a, a little bit more complicated. Usually how it breaks down is if you're new to European nymphing, um, you want a certain leader that affords you the ability to be a little more accurate and to, to throw flies, you know, that are, um, that like you, you basically just have less tangles and your accuracy is better. And then you work up toward kind of a, a intermediate leader. And then I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of uh, micro leaders, yeah, um, micro. which is the more, more advanced. Like I said, you probably don't, I mean, of course you can just grab a rod with a micro leader on it and start throwing it and go, yeah. Oh, I see. I see that I need a, uh, a certain skill level for this. Right. Okay. Give me the other leader. So it, that's kind of one of the things that it breaks down into. Gotcha. And, and also there, uh, you can have a preference on these leaders too. Like you can do, you can be very, very effective fishing. Some of what we call the, the heavier leaders or the leaders that turn over a little easier. And that could be your, your jam basically, you know, like, Hey, I, I, a very effective European effort with this rig. I feel comfortable with it. Yeah, you don't have to push yourself and say, you know, hey, what is uh, what is the top Spain guy using right now? Yeah, you know, and, and like because a lot of that deals with the specific waters that they fish. You know, so it's not just uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Sometimes you know, an intermediate le leader is the best leader for a certain type of water in North America or whatever it is. So I would say that that's kind of how the leaders break down. And we have, you know, I can show everyone all the builds of the leaders. We can even, like you said, we probably will, we'll stop for, you know, we'll all get together for dinner and, um, mm -hmm. you know, 
have a few uh, refreshments and yeah. and then uh, we can, you know, I can, I, I have a lot. Yeah. I have lots of uh, printed off charts and stuff like that. I even have great options to, to help people with, you know, like if they don't like tying stuff, maybe their eyes are bad or whatever store-bought leaders or just really, really easy ones, you know, gotcha. to tie. So a lot of options with the leaders as far as that goes. Yeah. And what did you use? Let's just talk, maybe start with what you use in, in uh, Canada for the, when you won the, did you use the same leader the whole week? Um, I did. I did. So after I just talked about how my, you don't necessarily have to use a micro leader, that's pretty much all I use. Yeah. Um, there are certain situations with certain flies that I'll actually use a leader that, um, is uh, it's a little heavier than a micro leader and it turns flies over. So I, even in a, a world's championship, I would go back to some of the, what some people would call a more intermediate leader uh, just because of the flies that I need to turn over. But in general at, at uh, up on uh, the Smokamine and the uh, Clearwater rivers, I used uh, what I call my stealth comp micro leader. And it's, you know, it's basically eight to 10 feet of, uh, of eight pound mono then down to, you know, six pound mono for three feet. Ciders now, I kind of move around depending on my situation. Um, a lot of times I'll build in the, the indicator mono or uh, use a pen or use wax. Tippet ring, we'll talk about tippet rings and how useful mm-hmm. they are. And we'll, you know, we'll have, by the way, we'll have all this stuff at the clinic. You know, we'll oh, have okay. everything for everybody. And and also I can put out a list before that for, yeah. for the group. Like, hey. You know, here's what will be very useful for you to, to get um, and bring and just have in your, you know, in your vest or your, your gear bag. And then, uh, believe it or not, all the way, another, depending on the depth of the water, you're going another five, six feet of, uh, you know, up between 5X and 8X. Oh, from the tippet ring. Yeah. And in British Columbia, uh, we were only allowed to use one fly. So, and there are certain countries that, you know, it's one fly, which kind of dispels the that myth that it's like, Oh, these guys are all throwing four flies and it's, oh, right. you know, they're basically, yeah, there's, there are cut uh, two flies is usually normal. Yeah. And, uh, there are a lot of competitions where it's one fly. Um, the leader lengths, this is intimidating for people, but a lot of times the leader lengths are, you know, between 18 and 22 feet. That's based on, uh, Phipps moose rules. You can shorten those leaders to make it easier. That's another thing that, that will, I'll show everyone is that the options, you don't have to follow like the competition rules options. There are advantages to skipping out on those rules sometimes. And, and it makes things easier as far, especially with leaders. Uh, the reason that we go 18 to 22 is because the rule is that it has to be, your leader can't be longer than uh, twice the rod length. Right. So, and our, our rods go up to 11 feet. Togiak River Lodge is the Alaskan adventure every fly fisherman dreams of. The lodge specializes in remote and exclusive fishing trips for all five species of salmon, plus rainbows, dolly varden, and much more. Togiak is the only lodge with access to 30 plus miles of river, the best guides, the best boats, and lots of fish with little pressure. I'll be heading up there this summer, so check in with Jordan and the crew right now to find out what they have available. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togiak to learn more right now. That's Togiak, T-O-G-I-A-K, to discover that wilderness experience you've been looking for. So in Canada, would you have used a longer than a 22-foot leader, if you could have? Would there no. be any advantage of doing that? Oh, uh, that's a oh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, there could have been an advantage to that, yeah. 
What what would be the advantage? Because I think when I think of this, I think like, okay, 20 feet or even 15 feet is long enough that all that leader is going to be out. Some of it's going to be out of the water. Why would like a 30 foot leader just be better than say the the 20 foot? So like on the Clearwater River, which was a big fast moving river with salmon in it, you know, you can get a skill level to where you can shoot a lot more than 20 feet. And you can uh, remember the, if the rod's 11 feet, you can raise that rod up. You can manipulate that leader. And there might be depth issues that, you you know, the river's six, seven feet deep in some places. So, yeah, there are advantages yeah. to going long, longer. Um, uh, a lot of times your line is all the way up to the tip, you know, or, or even out. Like there were lots of times where I had my line completely out and, you know, but my fly line. I know, and if that fly line was, you know, 5X tippet, then it wouldn't sag as much. Right. No sag. And so that's, so the sagging is a lot of times why people would have their, uh, um, basically the line that's going through their guides would not be a line that might sag, you know, because it's because, because fly lines heavier than tippet. So that would be one of the reasons, but you're right. In most situations, like on the Smokamine, which is a smaller river, you know, I was, I, I wasn't using all of my 18 foot leader, you know, I was using 15 of it. Dependent on my approach. Sometimes you're uh, even super close, but these are the, the, that's the cool thing. These are like application discussions that are kind of fun, where yeah. you, where you can kind of you know, like I said, a lot of people who are just finding their way in European nymphing, they they'll use smaller leaders and still have a great time and progress at, at a, a really nice rate. Gotcha. No, that's perfect. So, and that makes sense. So yeah, a big river, you can just cover more water if you have a longer leader. So if it's, if it's just like, I mean, the analogy or not even the analogy, but you think a spin rod, right? If you got a spin rod, it's all mono. You can cast as far as you want and cover the water easily, right? That's the, you know, not that the Euro is copying the spin rod, but is there a similar thing there? Is that what you're talking about? Um, in a way, I mean, obviously the a spin, I mean, you have less drag. You know, yeah. that's, and, and drag messes with your presentation. So that's why a lot of these leaders have, are so long is to eliminate that. So it helps your presentation, but yeah, I mean, with the flies and the, the rods and everything, yeah, it's a, definitely a different thing than, than throwing a, you know, kind of whipping a, a, a heavy, uh, rapala out there or something like that. You know right. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. you're in touch with your flies. It's you're visual because you're watching. Yeah, you're watching a cider, so it's totally visual. Yeah, and you know your rod tips up there. You've got it. It, it still has a, a a delicate fly fishing feeling to the, everything. It's not. It's. It, I would say it's different, but it does take advantage of those kind of presentation advantages of having super light lines. Yeah, super light. No, this is great. I, I, I want to take a tangent here because I, you know, you mentioned obviously the Shadow X, the Echo is the rod that you developed with, you know, and Tim Ray, Jeff, we had him on the podcast a while back and we were talking about the conversation of just fly fishing, you know, and, and how mm-hmm. some people talk about Euro, how, well, you know, are you casting, you know, what makes fly fishing because the lines are different. What's your take on that when somebody says, Hey, is Euro nymphing really fly fishing? Because are you really casting a fly line? How do you respond to that? Oh yeah, of course. It's my boss that was talking to me about that as we're designing rods. <laughs> yeah, sure. And he was—he actually brought it. We'll put a link to the show note. Oh, show I knew it's that episode. No, I knew. I knew that he would uh, bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we talked about it a lot. I mean, he's—you know—he's a world champion flycaster, so he's very in- endeared toward uh, throwing fly lines, right? And so we talked a lot about it, and, and uh, it's one of those discussions where 
I think fly fishing pushes kind of the limits of what we think of traditional fly fishing. So someone out there with a, you know, weight forward or double taper line, that's just casting one, you know, parachute atoms. That would be kind of the traditional thing, but I don't know. It's funny. Cause like I would, I was like, well, Tim, have you ever, uh, you know, sailfish gone sailfish, you know, fly fishing for sail. Right. Like, well, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you throw a giant sock out there, you know, yeah. like, and, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's the farthest thing from throwing a, you know, a little tiny dry fly on a spring Creek. Um, yeah, or, yeah, right. I mean, I, I'm, I've been a guide in, on the snake river, South Fork of the snake. I mean, streamer fishing for us is like, some of the streamers are massive, you know, and it's yeah. like, that's pretty far from casting traditional, you know, little dry flies and stuff like that. That's just basically almost spin fishing. Cause you're pounding banks and making three or four strips and then right back up with this monster fly and pounding right. banks. Yeah. Um, you know, and that a lot of that's basically not like throwing a loop. You're just yeah. zinging this ma- massive uh, fly. So I don't know, like it, it yeah. the traditionalist uh, thing gets pushed um, in a lot of different areas. It does. Um, the, yeah. the thing that I always tell people is for me, the fact that you're using flies, your hand is on a fly line and you're manipulating it with a figure of eight uh, I, my fly line comes, I use my fly line a lot actually mm. to reach different areas. The rod itself is, you know, the, the furthest thing from a spin rod, All right. um, real, you know, I'm building leaders with, you know, tippets, like there's a lot of fly fishing elements in, in, in that. Um, so that's usually what I would tell him is yeah. that you can't do this thing without fly fishing gear. No. And so he'd be like, all, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think and it goes back to the old, uh, you know, whether it's Gary Borger or whoever, you know, back when nip fishing was like, oh, my God, these people were like saying, "You, that's not fly fishing. You can't throw a nymph. Oh, yeah. Thing, right. No, that back in the yeah, day. The so cho- it, chalk streams in England, they still don't allow nymph fishing, you know. So oh, it's like, right. So, any, yeah. So anybody who's nymph fishing right now uh, had that same deal. Like, this isn't fly fi- You You're going subsurface. This is not yeah. fly fishing. Yeah. You know, so. I guess it's all kind of, you know, in the, the eye of the the beholder as far as uh, what they want to do with, with the gear itself. So I agree. I, I agree. I think it's great. And I think that, you know, and a lot of our listeners here are fish conventionally too. So it's not like they're just fly anglers. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of diversity. So I think, you know, and anybody that I think is an angler will say the same thing. That's they will true angler will say, hey, you know what, just go have fun. It You know, like explore, you know, kind of find your own thing and so it's great, but yeah. I'm glad you went down that road because Ray Jeff, of course, we're going to have him back on soon. And I'm going to pick his brain again, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, you could. T- I mean, just be good to the resources is the way I look at it. You know, it doesn't really matter what type of gear you're using out there on the rivers. Just, you know, be thoughtful of, of, of the resource. Perfect. And so you mentioned, let's go back to the leader. So you mentioned the one. So the one you use most of the time in Canada to take the gold, the gold home was the micro. And it, basically, it was like eight to 10 feet of, um, what was the first uh, eight pound? Mono. Of and then mono, yeah. and then three feet of, of, of six-pound mono. And then you have like a tippet ring, and then that goes down to whatever your X is. I usually have a, a cider in there somewhere, so um, it depends. Or I would, uh, if I don't have a colored cider, and I just keep going with mono to the tippet ring, um, I'll use uh, pet markers. Um, and then uh, then the tippet ring, and then you do have to kind of make your your uh, bottom section of fluoro. It should match the water depth. Oh, okay. So the bottom is floral. Yeah. Yeah. I use floral. Yep. And one and a half times the depth is usually something you can do. Now you can change that length based on currents and, and things like that. 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much the one I, you know, and when you're in a competition, a lot of times you want to, you know, fish a similar rod. Like I used my, uh, my 10 and a half foot three X shadow X, um, 10 and a half foot three. And most of the guys use that or a 10, 10 foot three. I did use the 11 a little bit on the big river. Actually, I used the 11 for probably, yeah, for a good portion of the section, um, the 11 footer. But you get used to using uh, one of them because for handling the certain fish in the area, uh, you get comfortable and you get comfortable with a leader um, and certain, you know, size beads on the flies and stuff like that. So, okay, that's what I used pretty much. And I use that in Italy too. And most, uh, a lot of our team uh, uses um, similar leaders. Okay. So, you know, some people may have slight variations. Gotcha. So if you had a leader that was say, or a depth of water was say four feet deep, you would want to have at least a four foot of that, you know, whatever you're from your tippet rig down would be four feet, if not maybe six feet. Is that how it looks? Yeah, probably six feet. Yeah. Yeah. Six feet. And then how do you determine what X, you know, on your tippet to use? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously if you can get away with using a heavier X, you know, you're, you're going to uh, have less breakoffs, less tangles. Yeah. What was the heaviest you used in the Canada? What was the heaviest you used? Um, I probably used heaviest was seven X because I'm used to working from seven, seven and a half to eight. Oh, wow. So yeah. So seven X is you. Yeah. It's awesome. So you're pretty light. Yeah. That's, so five yeah. X would be yeah. not a normal tippet. Um, that's where I start usually, but let's see on the, Smilkameen River, the fish were pretty friendly. And so like, you know, the presentation was easy to, to get them if you could find where they were and, and dialed up the right drift and the right fly. So I think I actually did go six X on the Smilkameen because I'd realized that they didn't need to go down. But in like, let's say in, uh, in Italy, I know that uh, there was a massive difference between seven and seven and a half, if you can believe that. Uh, same with Czech Republic. The, just these last couple competitions I've done. So you, like literally our guide, David in Czech Republic was like, did you go seven and a half? And I was like, no, I went seven. And he goes, that was your problem. Hmm. And I was like, wow, really? These fish? He's like, yeah, yeah they, they can tell the difference between those, which sounds silly. Uh, yeah. But then you go out there and you actually switch to seven and a half X and all of a sudden, wow, like God. you're right. Yeah, you know, and, and it's not necessarily because they can see the, the flora or whatever. It's just the presentation of it. Yeah, the presentation. And, yeah, and it's just, you know, I mean, Europe has a lot of fishing pressure on those rivers and, and really good anglers. And Yeah. So, so is the Wood River, is the Wood River that we're going to be on for this clinic, is it going to be like that kind of highly pressured where we're going to have to really get fine? Not necessarily, no. The, uh, that's one of the nice things about North America is you can probably get away with five, five and a half X and, uh, you know, so you're going to deal with less tangles. And our fish are bigger too. So a lot of times, you know, just to pay attention to fighting fish and getting them to the net quickly. Uh, you do want to go down to five X or even some like on the snake river, I fished four and a half, you know, for your own nymphing uh, because uh, you're going to run into some larger fish. And if you're fishing eight X, you have to play them longer to get them in. Yeah. Um, and so you don't, you don't necessarily, or, you know, seven X, you don't necessarily want to do that. The fish are smaller in Europe and uh, you can bring them in, uh, you know, fairly quick with seven and a half X. And that's another thing that, that is, uh, there are advantages to, you know, using leaders like this and, and, uh, and the approach you're hooking fish very close to you compared to traditional, you know, casting way out there with a dry dropper or a dry fly. So even if you're using, uh, 
let's say you're using five X with a dry fly and you cast way across the Henry's fork um, or, you know, five and a half X or um, you've got to fight that fish all the way back to your net with, uh, with European nymphing. A lot of times the fish is very close and you're going to like get it into the net green. You know, it's still, uh, still fighting and, and, and has been netted quickly and yeah. you're, it's back in the river very quickly. Right. So in a way it's better on the fish to catch them closer and get them in. So no, I would say in the, in the Rocky mountain West, I use a lot of five X, five and a half X. That's a great point. Yeah. Which sounds, uh, that sounds light, but the, you know, you know how the, how strong the tippets are these days. Yeah. So five X is good. Yeah. They're, they're ins- insanely strong. Um, and so, uh, once again, it would just be, uh, so that would cover a lot of the larger fish. Uh, the wood river's got, uh, you know, kind of like a uh, medium, medium sized fish, which is great. They're awesome. What are the species? Uh, it's rainbows. Uh, there's some browns. Yeah, all rainbows? Rainbow. Oh, okay. No, they're, they're in the last few years, there have been more browns in there, but it's mostly you're going to catch rainbows. Cool. Um, I want to follow up with a couple more leader examples here, but on the wood, since we're talking about this, maybe describe the wood. What, what makes it, uh, why is it a name that, you know, maybe some people have heard about around the country? What makes it so kind of special? Well, I mean, you know, Ernest Hemingway, Wood River, you know, his house on the Wood River, that type of thing. It's, it's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a famous river in that it has a, a big history and, uh, you know, it's one of the staples, Silver Creek and the Wood River, one of the staples of fly fishing in Sun Valley area. Mm. So it's, like I said, it's storied yeah. and, uh, it also like you can fish it in the winter. You know, I know people that went up last weekend to fish the wood. Um, the winter fishing window is, is short, you know, like during the day, but it's pretty fun. Like, that's another thing is you, you'll be able to go there anytime. Like some people like to do a ski and then a ski vacation. And then they also head out to the wood for a couple hours in the middle of the day. Oh, perfect. So right now, as we're speaking, it's kind of January that you can go fish the wood. You might be able to fish it today. Yeah. No, you could fish it today for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I know Brett Bishop and I go up there in the winter and sometimes you have to like, go crush the ice around the, the corners of, of it to get in. And then once you're in the river, it's flowing, obviously. And uh, you go find a great hole and 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 uh, or a couple and, and catch a lot of fish. It's a pretty fun deal. The other thing, too, is it's a very accessible river. Then it rolls through town. It's beautiful, you know, freestone. And uh, it just has uh, it has a lot of fish in it, too. So that's another thing that people really like. And a lot of times the fish are, are, are very uh, friendly. They're cool. very w- willing. And Freestone, maybe, uh, you know, this, I guess maybe just quickly the types of rivers, Freestone, Tailwater. What are the types of rivers, just big picture that people, uh, you know, around the country, the world uh, that are out there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so if you have a, a Tailwater, that's a, a big giant reservoir up, uh, above it. And that oftentimes the fishing's good below those because the water temperature is consistent. Yeah. And so the fish grow big. The, the wood doesn't have a dam. So okay. it's a you know, it's a free river and it, a lot of those tend to be like out West or they're free stones, meaning that the, the, when you approach, when you walk into the river, um, you're basically walking on, you know, a lot of small stones, the wood has, you know, medium sized stones to, you know, like stuff rocks that you can sit on. And it's very, uh, basically it's just, it's full of stones when you walk in, in almost every part, there are parts that have, you know, a little bit of, uh, silt and stuff, but, now, when you go into like some of the bigger rivers, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say the river that I guide on most, the South Fork of the Snake, is uh, that's uh, 
basically a giant tailwater. So oh, you're going to have, you, you are going to have uh, stones and stuff in the river, but you're going to have varied bottoms of, uh, you know, kind of material. You can have a lot of, you can have sand, you can have silt, you can have all these different things in the river. And so, you know, and then you have spring creeks, like Silver Creek is a spring creek. So oh, the water, okay. the water gotcha. is basically coming from the ground, which is kind of a strange thing. You know, like sometimes people will talk about, well, you know, if I go in the fall, will there be enough water? It's like, actually, there's more water in the fall because it's coming from the aquifer. Oh, right. It comes up. Wow. It comes up as the year goes, which is like hard for people to understand. <laughs> spring creeks, um, tailwaters and uh, and freestones. I mean, those, those pretty much the three types of kind of fishing uh, rivers. and that are Yeah. And a lot of people will say whether it's dammed or not, you know, you know basically. But most people refer to the non-dammed as uh, freestones. Um, and they're, you know, most of the rivers out West, a lot of the famous trout rivers have a, have a dam. Have a tailwater. Know? Yeah. All the bit like, Henry's, yeah, they're tailwater. The, yeah that, and that's because it's such a, and maybe even going to get more critical as, as we go with some of these climate change, right? Things are going on where, um, summer flows or things are getting hotter. Uh, I mean, have you been, I guess we're actually having this week, we've got, um, the Wood River Conservation Group. Uh, I think it's the, the trust will be on talking about some of the issues in the wood. Um, but yeah, is that yeah. something I'm, I'm assuming that's probably an issue up there too, potentially? For sure. It can be, uh, especially in, on freestone rivers and, uh, rivers that rely on, uh, their flows from the snow melt. Um, sure. The warmth of the water is, is an issue for sure. The, uh, even on the uh, uh, tailwaters, the waters are warming up a little bit. So, but the tail, you're, you're right. If it's a giant reservoir, the tailwater is more protected. Yeah. Cause they can take water out from down at the bottom and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Right? They can, they have a lot of control a lot of times on where the water's coming from, whether it's at the bottom, which is nice and cool versus right. Yeah. Even if it's a top release, it's still more consistent. So yeah, that'll be interesting to hear that. Uh, obviously I'm not a scientist. So I don't, don't know what the with the latest stuff is going on. Yeah. It, well, it's going to be exciting. We did this on the Henry's Fork too. It was really awesome. And we did a lot over there because we had a number of episodes, but we had the Henry's Fork. Um, you know, we had two different groups over there that talked about some of the stuff they're doing. And one of the big things they said was water. You know, they said just working with the groups, the farmers, the people with the irrigation, because if you don't work with the people that are have the water rights, right, it's going to be a struggle. So I think like anything, building partnerships is a big part of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's always been, uh, you know, Bureau of Reclamation and the farmers and, you know, the fly fishing tourism industry is huge now. So everybody does have to work together in a lot of these places for that. So yeah, those are, those are, you know, that's something that affects me daily, but you know, the politics get pretty thick. So it's hard to, it's hard to navigate sometimes and know, I know. you know, what, what's going on. <laughs> so that's why right. it's nice. That's why it's nice if you have people on that kind of know what they're talking about with those issues. Yeah. Is, uh, this is kind of just a random fun. I'm interested in myself, but you know, you're in Boise, uh, or right. You're in Boise physically, right? Yeah. Right now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're in Boise. So Boise versus say Sun River versus the, um, like, um, Idaho Falls and all that area. As far as you, you mentioned politics, but not even talking about politics, but just the area. Is there a lot of similarities or are there a lot of differences, say, between Boise and if you head over to the east side? Oh, you mean Sun Valley, not Sun River. Or Sun, yeah, what did I say? Sun, yeah, Sun River. Yeah, Sun River is similar. Sun River's right? in Oregon. <laughs> That's right. Um, Sun, Sun yeah, Valley. No, uh, uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's higher up. You know, the elevation's different. And so are the rivers different? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the Boise River in town here is very crowded now um the last like five ten years uh it's 
it's a tailwater that's a, a dam right above town. But, you know, there are parts of it when you're on it that kind of remind you of, uh, you know, being over in Idaho Falls or Sun Valley area because it, you know, it still has cottonwoods and it still has a, it's still coming through the valley. But it's an urban river now is what we call it. So and a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, love fishing. So they're they're out there and uh, a lot of a lot of fly anglers, a lot of spin casters. But no, I mean, there are times when you're out on the Boise River and there's no one around that you're kind of, you kind of feel like you, yeah. you could be on any of the Western rivers. But, you know, we also have the South Fork of the Boise that's kind of, it has a lot of angler pressure, but it's it's beautiful and there's no buildings or anything. Oh, okay. And then you have the the Oahe River just across oh, the Oregon border. Yeah. And that's kind of a different type of river. It's yeah. a tailwater again, but it's it's got a lot of unique kind of features, you know, the water color and all that type of stuff. Quick break for a word from our sponsor. With more than 40 years of experience in coffee, the Angler's Coffee Team roasts a full range of coffee with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. Responsibly sourced from farms using sustainable growing practices, you can rest easy knowing you are doing your part. Roasted and shipped within 48 hours to assure freshness. For me, it's all about that freshness and taste when I crack open a bag of anglers in the morning. I feel good because I know not only does it taste great, but I am supporting great movements along the way. With a blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go tea bag option, and a roast sampler, you know Joe at Anglers is serving your needs. It's time to step up to better coffee and more impact for the fish species and causes we love. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash anglers right now to grab a bag of greatness today. That's Anglers, A-N-G-L-E-R-S, to make a change today. Smitty's Fly Box delivering monthly flies, fly materials, and accessories each month with their Smitty subscription fly box. If you need a unique fly selection for a new water you're fishing, or if you want to get started fly tying the easy way, Smitty's has you covered. They'll find out where you're fishing and supply you with a custom fly assortment. And Smitty's has been producing high-quality flies and materials for over 30 years, and you may not realize it, but Smitty's is connected to Round Rocks, who is the sole supporter to Sportsman's Warehouse and has tied and supplied millions of flies over the years. I was at Sportsman's this week and picked up a couple of dozen flies, some chubby, small and large dry flies, some terrestrial patterns. The quality was exceptional. That's one of my struggles is the dry flies. So I love looking at these little guys from small little tiny flies that I can barely see with my eyesight's the big one. And these are the same people who are delivering and tying these flies to your door with Smitty's Fly Box. It's a great time right now to get stocked up for the season. You can head over to smittysflybox.com right now to take a look at their selection of flies and monthly boxes right now. Let Smitty's take the guesswork out of choosing fly materials and patterns right now. This is also an easy way to support this podcast and a small business who has been producing high-quality flies for many years. Check them out right now. That's Smitty's, S-M-I-T-T-Y-S, smittysflybox.com. Okay, back to the show. How's the Oahe compared to, say, the uh, the, the Wood River, like size-wise and just the way it fishes? Uh, totally different? Well, you know, as far as, yeah, they're completely different looking rivers. The flows are different on... Uh, on the Oahe and it, the Oahe has always had this famous kind of green color to it. doesn't matter what time of year, you know, and, and it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's a combination of algae, but it's more coming from the, it's, it's, I think it's the lime that's in the, uh, coming mm. from the, 
basically the feeder. Geology. Well, yeah, yeah oh, because right. the res- the reservoir has the same color in it. So whatever's feeding it uh, makes it discuss. So when you get there and you've never been there, you're like, oh no, the river's like off. Something's something's wrong. It's like uh, it's a, kind of a cool thing because the fish can see. They can see through it. You might not be able to see your foot, you know, below oh, your knee, wow. but the fish can see. And it's slower moving. There's more silt, you know, and yeah. mud. And there's some rocks. It's a little more rocky up toward the top where the dam release is. And then the wood, like I said, has got this kind of a mountain pristine feel to it. You know, like the, the it's, you, you just feel like you're in a, at a higher elevation in a Rocky Mountain freestone. You know, parts of it, they're about the same width. You know, and it depends, I guess it depends on the type of year for the CFS, uh, how fast they're flowing. So, but usually the Oahe doesn't flow very fast and, and no. the Wood River is just all based on what the snow melt is. So it can, it can roar. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Well, let's talk about that on the wood. So if we're doing this clinic, when would be the time you would think would be the good time to go over there and, and do this? Fall is really fun as far as access. You know, if yeah. you, if you try to do a, uh, some Euro nymphing in the spring. Sometimes you just can't access things because you just don't know how Too warm nice. it's going to be. And yeah, the water can come up. That's one of the things about a free flowing river that doesn't have a dam on it. You just kind of have to pay attention to mother nature. So yeah. um, a lot of times in the fall, the weather's beautiful. So the same time, like we did on the Henry's fork, kind of the early October. Yeah, yeah maybe because the, uh, also maybe not as many tourists, um, or, uh, fly anglers. You know, and so, you, you know, it's it's easier to find spots and, and not intrude on other anglers. And then, like, the weather's beautiful again. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it'll be 75 and sunny. Right. You know, during that time. And uh, that's my favorite time to, to fish the wood is in the fall. So. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, like, parts of spring, when there's certain hatches and stuff, that parts of spring are, are great. But you just never really know how high it's going to be. Yeah, we need the confidence to know. Okay, and let's touch back on the leaders real quick because I want to touch on a couple other ones. You mentioned the one that you used up in Canada. What are so you mentioned the so that's kind of the micro. You have the intermediate and beginner. So talk about how an inter maybe describe an intermediate rig. What would that leader look like? Uh, an intermediate, like I could just use the ones that I like to build, but um, I have one that I call kind of a hybrid. Easy, it's an easy build, um, and I would call it an intermediate. It's basically you can buy like kind of a seven to eight foot store-bought knotless taper leader, you know, maybe down to two X or three X, then just tie it off to, you know, two and a half to three feet of, of uh, bicolor, you know, Umqua is great, but you can pick whatever bicolor indicator material you want. And then a uh, uh, tippet ring after that. And most of, you know, the smaller, the smaller, the better on tippet rings. I, I usually go to two millimeter, but uh, we'll talk about all that stuff too, which is great. Like yeah. it, it might be intimidating, but it's not really once you just jot it down. Right. And tippet rings, if you're not familiar with them and you want to do this clinic, you will be familiar with them and you'll probably love them. Yeah. One thing I noticed several years ago in Europe was that a lot of the anglers are using tippet rings on dry fly rigs. You know, and I, I was like, oh, oh, that's awesome. Is it, is, is it going to sink? Like, no, the tipper ring's so small that it actually is buoyant. It actually, oh, wow. It actually yeah. helps the, the, the leader float up there. Right. And the tippet ring, what's the main reason for a tippet ring versus doing the, using the knot? Well, obviously you're not going to use as much tippet material. It's quicker and it's just a lot more convenient. So mm-hmm. it enables you to, uh, to re-rig faster and, and, and yeah, it's just, it's convenient in so many different ways. 
What's the knot? What's the knot you use to tie your tippet onto your tippet ring? Uh, either either a, a barrel knot or or a surgeon's knot depends. If I have time to build barrel knots, I, I will. But I use surgeon's knots when I'm out, you know, competing on the river or guiding. So and they, you know, they they both work great. So um, and then, you know, I'll use a kind of a figure eight or if you want to call it a, a Davy knot to go to the tippet ring. But you can uh, with knots, you can kind of do your own thing. A lot of, you know, if you're really confident in your clinch knot, you can use it for yeah. a lot of your connections. Uh, it's totally fine. A lot of people do. But then after that tipper ring, then it's the same exact thing with, you know, one and a half times the depth of the water. So basically all you're doing is is tying, let's see, uh, one knot to the tipper ring and then your leader. And the fact that the store-bought knotless tapered leader, it doesn't have knots in it. That's nice because you're not, you know, because you're trying to learn how to not tangle with, with these. This leader is more like 15 to 16 feet. Oh, it's shorter. Yeah. 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 I use it a lot when I'm just out having fun fishing because it's, you know, I can attach it to a traditional wave forward fly line or, or double taper. Um, it's easy to, to turn into a dry dropper rig and turns over nicely. So it, it's like, it's a nice all around. And, you know, once again, I have diagrams for all this stuff that people in the, you know, come to the school or, or buy the course can see all that stuff. Yeah, that's what I think we're going to do. I think in a, another shout out to that. So the webinar we're doing, we're going to have some little cheat sheets, right? And so that'll be some, and actually people were asking about that already, like, hey, where do we get the cheat sheet? So I think yeah. when we do these webinars, we will have a cheat sheet. And then, like we said, it's going to be a, a full course that everybody will get if they, if they join the clinic this year. Um, and so good shout out to that. So on this, so this hybrid really, I'm looking at, it, I mean, the big difference is on it is the length. So you're talking, it's more like 15 feet versus say, uh, 22 feet. Is that because you could have the same tippet, right? You could still have a seven or eight X tippet on there. Is that the biggest difference oh, yeah. between the hybrid? Yeah. But, um, I usually, like I said, this, this easy hybrid, um, I get a lot of people who are, are you know, kind of, have already done a little bit of European nymphing and they just want something easy that, that turns over nicely. The leader can actually turn over and carry the flies. So a lot of times, yeah, we're talking four to four to five X on that bottom part. Oh, I see. So that is the difference. It's even the bottom's thicker too. Even, yeah, it's a heavier leader, but it's, it works great. It's, it's sometimes you want a heavy leader for the larger fish. And now, if you want to even, let's say it's your very first day out there and you want to, you, you just like really worried that you're not going to be able to turn those flies over because your, your lob cast and, and your, your own infant casting is just not, you're just starting. You can even go to a leader that Brett Bishop kind of designed for his anglers, you know, for his clients that want to learn how to Euro nymph. It's similar to, you know, some of the leaders from the past, you know, I know George, Daniel, you know, a, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys, uh, we all started with these leaders where we had maxima, you know, like 10, 12 feet of it. Brett will go like 12 to 14 feet of, uh, you know, pretty heavy, like three X mono. Like I know, I think he likes to use the white Cortland stuff uh, mm. so that he doesn't have to add knots to it. And he'll go straight to the tip ring with that. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then he'll just do wax or, you know, a fabric pen and uh, a marker um, so the less knots you have on that, the better, because they don't, you know, you don't get tangled up with your flies. If you, if you happen to kind of throw a little bit of a, an, an over loop or something in it, and then you're just from the tippet ring, same thing, one and a half times the depth of the water. I mean, talk about simple. 
that one is usually, you know, it's, it's anywhere from, you know, 14 to, you can go up to 20 feet, depending on how long you can also take that 12 to 14 feet down. So, um, you could make this thing a 15 foot leader. That's, that is turns over very nicely. And that, like I said, 20 years ago, we were using Maxima heavy Maxima and we had leaders that were turning over like this. So that was, Mm -hmm. and it's, everything's evolved. And that's Brett's. And I think Brett likely will be maybe the other person helping with the clinic this year if it all works out. Um, but um, what yeah, is which so, would be so, nice. Yeah, that would be nice. What's that called? What what would be the Brett's that you just described there? Would that be more of a like intermediate or is that more of like a, what type of leader is that if you had to categorize it? I would it? call it like a beginning. That is a beginning, heavy, right. Heaviest, yeah. So, so heavy, medium weight, and then, you know, micros are super lightweight. Okay. So when we say beginner, we're saying basically that one Brett would be a good example of somebody if they wanted to start with a year, that's a beginner leader. I, I like it. Yeah. And oftentimes with a leader similar to that, Brett and I have taken out people before and we'll, we'll use Tenkara. So they don't have any reel to deal with either. They're just throwing that and walking around, you know, and catching hmm. fish. So that Tenkara is a, a, is a really nice way to, to introduce a European nymphing to someone who's never you know, held a European nymphing rod oh, right. cause, they, cause they don't have to deal with, they just don't have to deal with line management. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that one. And, and then, uh, and you know what you can, like, I know a lot of people that they really liked this style leader, you know, even though I'm calling it a beginner leader, they liked it and they've been fishing with it for 15 years, European nymphing with it and love it. And that's yeah. it. You know, it's like, and it. they're highly effective, you know, they could compete with it. So they're all, it's all kind of based on, uh, how it feels to you, how heavy it flies, uh, uh, what type of river, that type of stuff. So, so yeah, they're all interchangeable. Um, I've been in Spain before with, uh, you know, and seen, uh, my buddy Pablo, who's an amazing angler over there. And he, he, he's gone, you know, six and a half straight, 22 feet of six and a half, you know, clear floral, you know, and he's, what he basically is doing is, is he's shooting, uh, the weight of the bead head. You know, and that's a, a highly skilled situation where that thing could go all over the place if you're not used to it. You know, but obviously he can throw it in it like a into a, a a paper cup on the other side. So right. it's like um, that would be, you know, obviously your accuracy, everything goes out the window um, when you start getting into situations like that. And he might not even use any type of indicator in that situation, but he does use wax and pens. I know that, so you can just take that off with your fingernails. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the wax and pins. Yeah, so the, it gives you a lot of options. Um, but basically how that whole progression works is it's heavier, it's easier, and it tapers down more. And then as there's like maybe if it's level, you know, really thin, level, long, light, that becomes harder to be accurate. So Right, that's it. But your but your presentation yeah, if you're in if you're in really spooky wild fish situation in, in Spain you might not be able to catch a fish with big, heavier leaders. Yeah. So that's really what the Euro leader setup is that it's, you have this heavier butt section and then it just goes to kind of a tippet ring down to the really light tippet. That's like, if you compare it to say what a normal trout leader would be like, that's the big difference. Yeah. But, and also like it does mimic, you know, trout situations where if you're, you know, you're on the South Fork of the snake and you can fish 
4x and you know a tapered leader um, but then you move to flat creek outside of jackson hole or, or uh, silver creek or the ranch you've got to go down to 6x you know six and a half yeah. seven x so it kind of follows the same exact you know system and you can see this is much different than uh, you know just spin fishing where you, you've got a thick line and you don't think about any of this stuff you just zip your your lure out exactly there. Yeah. yeah, good. Okay. Well, well, let's start to take it out of here with our fly shop shout out today. And uh, today's is presented by, maybe you could talk about, because I think the the Silver Creek Outfitters, uh, I think Terry and the crew out there, maybe maybe talk about that shop a little bit. Who, where are they at and uh, what do they do there? They're, uh, they're in Ketchum. It's a, an amazing store. Um, one of the nicest fly shops you'll ever see. It's got, you know, they've got uh, a lot of giant hunting section uh, the mm. apparel's amazing yeah it's it's one of those stores that uh i just get stuck in you know i, I can't not get out of yeah. there there's so many cool things <laughs> um the guides uh the guide crew there is is you know been around for a long time they're 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 amazing highly skilled but more than anything just really easy to easy to get along with and uh, uh patient and just uh, uh, very professional is what i would call silver creek outfitters it's just one of the one of the things that that terry does you know that he makes makes sure that everything is very professional and and uh first class um and like i said they're located right there in ketchum and right in the middle middle of you know not very far from the wood river so location's amazing and then uh if you're in ketchum or even if you decide to stay in bellevue or or uh, uh haley or sun valley you're still really close driving you know, to get to the shop and, and, and get your stuff and, and meet and everything. So I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's just a, a, an amazing outfit. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, uh, a lot of my bookend days, like in the spring and the fall, I'll guide through those guys. A lot of times I guide in the summer because most of my clients are from, uh, uh, the Jackson area and, uh, Teton Valley. Oh yeah. But for, you know, for many, many, many years, I've been guiding on the, uh, when I come back, I'll, I'll have clients that come through the, you know, that are from the Sun Valley area. Um, and also uh, occasionally in the winter too. Uh, it, it's a nice option to guide out of Sun Valley area. So like I said, just look up uh, Silver Creek Outfitters on online or Instagram and you'll see, you'll be able to learn a lot about uh, what a great operation they are. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to them. And then, yeah, and so basically, yeah, Ketchum, Sun Valley, it's, uh, it's all right there. And then Boise's, it's almost equal distance Ketchum to Boise as Ketchum to Idaho Falls. Is that a similar amount of dry? What is that, a few a couple hours, something like that? Yeah, it's not very far, or far from Idaho Falls. Yeah, perfect. Okay, good. So that's our fly shop shout out. And you've uh, we broke down the leaders, which I want to do a little bit here on the leaders so people have that. Um, give us uh, one more tip. We're going to leave it away with a tip on casting. You mentioned uh, the lob cast. Can you describe what what the lob, how you would use in your nipping, use a lob cast? What that is? Yeah, I mean it, that's kind of a catch all phrase for for European nipping cast. But so uh, I would say that there are subtleties that are different that people could call it. But um, I would say the biggest thing that I noticed that people have breakthroughs is they they take more time at the the backside of the cast and feel feel the leader and feel the flies before they come forward with it. And that helps. That's, that's one of the biggest things uh, for accuracy. Oh, okay. You know, if you are still kind of bringing your traditional, you know, cast into it without that nice pause for just a second to feel the, the, 
European nymphing rod, you know, the longer rod load, um, your accuracy will be off. So really kind of like love, love that pause in the back and kind of learn it. Yeah. And figure it out. You don't have to have a pause as you get better. Um, but I think there's a little micro pause in almost all of our casts micro so that pause. we can, okay. Yeah. So that we can get that, that that's for, for accuracy. That's one of the tips that I often give. Okay. Perfect. And then this is the other cool thing with the clinic is that it's going to be awesome because being on the water, we can really break down the cast and, and talk to people about that. Right. That's something that I think is hard to do on a, on a podcast to describe it. But is that something we're going to cover in detail on this clinic? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have, you know, if, if Brett uh, is able to do this and walks over and he'll be like, okay, here, try to, try to hold your rod at this angle here. Or, or uh, if you want to use your finger, you know, your, your pointer finger, uh, for casting or for the angling part, try that. Maybe that'll help you. You know, there's all these different things that we can kind of try to do. Just going through all these, uh, you know, levels ourselves. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, you can kind of relate to where people might be. Nice. Nice. All right, good. And, and if people are coming in, so if they do uh, get into this clinic, where would be recommend like on staying? Is there tons of places I'm assuming up near off of the wood that they could stay and catch them or yeah. any, any tips on that? Yeah, there's. I mean, you just look all the way from uh, Bellevue, Haley, Ketchum, Sun Valley. Sun Valley Resorts are really kind of cool. It's a classic deal. You, all the pictures of Merrill Monroe and Clint Eastwood. Oh, really? Plaza. Yeah, it's oh, really, right. really fun. Um, and uh, you're still all you're still in the valley. And uh, one of the nice thing you can fly into uh, Twin Falls or Boise and drive up. So oh, okay. the, the accessibility is really easy. I think it's a you know. It's, about an hour and 50 minutes to silver Creek from Boise and then another half an hour up 40 minutes up to all the way up to maybe uh, sun Valley or catch them. So, yeah. So, uh, and like you could, if you, if you wanted to drive both days and, and uh, uh, have more options, you could uh, twin falls is not really that far away. You can head up. Yeah. Twin falls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're right there. Yeah. So the, like, it's a very accessible area and you can fly right into uh, sun Valley. Mm. and be there and yeah. rent a car too. And that's really easy. Not necessarily really cheap, but really easy. Oh, right. Yeah, it's really <laughs> easy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the more we do these Idaho, I feel like Idaho is all, it's right in, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's kind of in the middle of the Western states and it feels like Montana, some of these other places maybe in the past have gotten a lot of airplay. But yeah, the more you dig into Idaho, you realize, wow, like we talked about today, you've got the, the Sun Valley, of course, all the, the Teton area, plus Boise. I mean, and then we haven't even talked about the northern part of the state, right? Which is, I'm sure there's some waters up there, which would be decent to, to yeah, talk about. There's that... a, lot of, a lot of great fishing up there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. You have St. John's River. Yeah. Oh yeah. St. John's. Exactly. Um, yep. I think we will leave it there today and, uh, and again, give a, a big highlight to the giveaway. Let's just, you know, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway. There'll also be a link in the show notes. People can enter to win this big clinic. Um, and then if people want to actually get involved and just get a spot for this, they can reach out to me. I will have a link there as well, but, um, but yeah, Peter, we, uh, you, you feeling good about this one? We want to leave it here until our next event. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. All right, Pete. Thanks again. We'll be in touch and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Dave. Thanks for having me again. That is a wrap. You can grab all of the show notes at wetflyswing.com. And please follow us on Instagram and share this episode out with someone you love. Please send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com if you have any feedback or want us to put together an episode on this podcast for you. Check in anytime. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and would love to meet up with you on the water. 
We have new fly fishing schools going all year long and all around the country. So if you want to connect, let's do it right now. All right, time to get out of here. I hope you have a great evening. I hope you have a great morning or great afternoon wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping by and checking out the show today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.